Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is February 23, and our chapter reading for today is Deuteronomy chapter 7. Moses kicks it into high gear and says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and you cast out all the nations, seven nations greater and mightier than you, and when the Lord delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. Make no covenant with them. Don't take their sons and daughters. Don't worship their idols. On and on, God says, I'm telling you, if you want to stay out of trouble and stay out of trouble with me and to stay in the flow of my blessing, then please hear me. Isn't it amazing how we get ourselves into trouble when we think we are smarter than God and no more than he does? Now listen to verse 6. God says, the reason that I want you to understand how important it is that you do not mingle with these people, that you destroy them, that you do what I ask you to do is because you are a holy people. God said, I am holy. I want you to be holy. I'm separate. I want you to be separate. I want you to be different. I want you to be the holy people to the Lord because I have chosen you as a people for myself. You are a special treasure to me. I have you in a pouch where no one else is of all the peoples of the earth. And then God gives them a reminder that it's not for the reasons that most would think that God chose the Hebrew people. God said, I'm going to do all of this for you. And here is the reason I'm not doing it for you. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than other people. God said, I didn't choose you because you are more numerous than others. In other places, he goes even farther than that and talks about other reasons why he did not choose them. As a matter of fact, they're not the most compliant people. God calls the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, the most stubborn people. My Jewish friends and I many times will laugh about this when they know that they're getting obnoxious about something that neither is here nor there, but they'll argue with a fence post. We all do that from time to time, but it is a peculiarity of the Jewish people. And I'm not the one that says that. If you want to get mad at me, that's fine. But God is the one that said it. I'm just the messenger boy, and I have experienced it from time to time. And so the scripture says, he did not choose you because you were more in number than the other people. Listen to this, for you were the least of all peoples. Here is why God is doing what he's doing toward the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, then and now. He said, but because the Lord loves you. God set his love upon the Jewish people. God chose sovereignly to love them. And God loved Abraham. And God said, Abraham, because I love you, I'm going to do this for you. Now you say, well, what caused him to love Abraham? That is way, way, way above your pay grade and mine spiritually. Nobody knows that. That is part of what W.A. Criswell used to say are the great imponderables 
of God. No one can figure this out. And if you think that you're in front of someone who says they have it all figured out, then what you need to do is politely dismiss yourself and take off as fast as you can running the other way because they are not right. And so the scripture says, because he would keep the oath that he swore to your fathers. In other words, God said, I'm being good to you for two reasons. Listen to this. This is it. You've wondered about this for years. Why did God do this? Because he loves them and because of his loyalty to Abraham. Because of his loyalty to Abraham. God over and over again says, look at verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God. He's faithful to keep his promises. He's faithful. And it might be a long time before God does it. We have studied about the Amalekites. When you get into the books of 1 Samuel, you're going to find out that God took revenge upon the Amalekites 400 years after he first said, I'm going to deal with you. Now, when God says he's going to deal with you, he's going to deal with you. And that doesn't matter whether that is the United States, whether that is China, whether that's Russia, whether that is Iran, whether that is whomever it is. And by the way, you and I are in that same category. Whatever God says for good or for our chastisement or whatever the case is, God means what he says. But you see, God has the final say. But what I want you to understand is that God may wait a long time to take judgment on someone because he's so merciful. But God also may take a long time to bring about his promises. Think about it. He told Ezekiel, Daniel, he told Jeremiah, he told Isaiah, he told all of the prophets that one day the nation would be gathered from across the face of the earth to be planted in the land of promise, never to be uprooted again. And for over 2,000 years from the period of the Romans, when Pompey, General Pompey, marched into the land of promise, the land of inheritance in 63 B.C., 63 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, until 1948, that promise was not fulfilled. As a matter of fact, during the Hasmonean period, it was only for about 100 years, and then they were disjointed again. But listen to me. This nation called Israel is back in the land to stay. They are back for a second time. They became a nation as prophesied in one day. God is faithful to his promise. If it takes 2,000 years, God is faithful to his promise. So God has done what he's done in relationship to Israel because he loves them and because he's loyal to them because not of that particular generation or this particular generation, but because of what he said to Abraham, God doesn't forget. He said, I am so faithful according to this same verse, verse 9, he says, I show mercy for a thousand generations. Hesed. It is such a tremendous concept. God is so rich in Hesed. He loves us. He's generous toward us. He graces us. He's merciful toward us. He is kind toward us. He is loving toward us. He is loyal toward us. All of those concepts and more are all part of the ingredients that bake the bread that we eat called chesed. And so the Bible says 
that God loves those who, in a special way, those who keep his commandments. Now, God said, there's blessings to following me. There's blessings to obedience. Now, you know that, and I know that, if we've walked with God any amount of time at all. Isn't it amazing when we get out of the will of God and we want to do our own thing, how miserable we get? You can measure how much you are in the will of God many times by how miserable you are. Now, I'm not talking about in sorrow. I'm not talking about in grief. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about just living life, kicking up dust. You decide that you're going to do something and you say, well, I know what God says, but that's real, real trouble. Because God said, if that happens, uh, then you're going to begin to feel a distance from me. You're going to sense that something's wrong. There's going to be a sense of loss in your life. There's going to be a sense of uneasiness in your life. Why? Because because God said, I made you with a hole in your heart that only I can fill. And if I'm in control of your life, life is going to be, even in hard circumstances, able to be born and able to be at times enjoyed and able to have peace, not just the absence of conflict, but balance and a sense of wholeness, true shalom, irene in the Greek text. And so he, in verse 12, starts talking about the blessings. He said, I will follow you. I will lead you. I will surround you. And I will keep the covenant that I swore to your fathers. I'm going to multiply you in the womb. I'm going to multiply you in the fields. I'm going to multiply you with your stock. I'm going to multiply you in the sense of health. I'm going to take away sickness from you and terrible diseases. Now listen to me. You say, well, I know people are saying, I know there are times because we are living in frail human bodies, we're going to get sick no matter how obedient you are. But listen to me. Much of the sickness that comes into our lives, not all, please, please don't start writing me and telling me, you know, that you've lived godly. And, and I'm not saying that every sickness is due to not eating well or not exercising or not living right or, or whatever you say. I understand. I understand. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God will always do his part. Now, listen, I am in my mid sixties and above. And uh, one day people will listen to this, I pray, 20 years from now and go, oh, he was such a young man then. But right now I'm in uh, above my mid-60s. I'm right in a mix of that. And I believe that if I will walk with God and I'll take care of myself, God will give me years. Now, he can take me anytime he wants to because he's sovereign and do whatever. But what I'm saying is, if I'm going to live any time at all, other than God just taking me for whatever his reasoning, it's okay with me. God knows best. But in the natural sequence of life, it's amazing that if we take care of ourselves, God will do his part. If I'm going to have the energy to do the ministry and the task and the assignments that I believe God has laid out before me, then I'm going to have to take care of myself. That's like somebody smoking Lucky Strikes and Winston's and Marlboro's and all the other modern brands, whatever they are, I've lost track. 
smoking for 50 years and then asking God to heal them of lung cancer. That's usually not the way it goes. Now, God can do that. He's sovereign. But it's rare that even if you stop, many times the scars are there. And the same thing with alcohol abuse, the same thing with drug abuse. And we can shorten our lives. People say, well, I'm not going to go until God gets ready for me. Well, you can shorten your life and you can lengthen your days. That's what the Bible teaches. And so, yeah, you're going to go. Don't worry. You're going to go when God says it's time to go. But God says you can lengthen your days or you can shorten your days. So just get off of this kick of fatalism. That's what Islam believes. That's not what Bible-believing Christians believe. We're not destined by fate. God is our destiny. And He is the one that controls whether we live or whether we die, whether we have health or whether we don't. It's not some kind of fate. That is secular and false religious philosophy. That's not what the Bible teaches. And so God says, I'm the one that can give you health. That's what He told them. I mean, I'm just reading verse 15. He said, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them upon all who hate you. Now, that's what he said. I didn't say that. And that was a special promise to the Jewish people. Also, you shall destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for they will be a snare to you. And this is the way it is. I mean, this is the way it is. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. When I have had to take classes under what I would classify those who do not believe the Bible the way that I do, and some that would be even liberal and would not like me and be antagonistic toward me in the classroom, you know what I would do when they would sign me a very liberal book or something, I would read two very conservative books on that same subject. Now, the reason is, is because it takes two portions of good to overcome one portion of bad. If you think it's just tit for tat, you are in real trouble because you see a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. A little good doesn't work that way. You can have a whole barrel full of good apples. You put one rotten one in there and it will start to affect everything. But you can put one good one in the middle of a barrel of bad apples and you know what's going to happen? You're going to have a good apple turning bad. Because you see, rottenness and poisonous is part of the decay of the sinful, cursed world in which we live. And so God God said you need to be careful who you're around. And then he said in verse 17, and if you should say in your heart, if you should just say this, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid, but you shall remember well what I did to the Egyptians. See, this is why God gave the Passover. This is why God gave Israel all of these various appointed times is because he wanted them to remember that he's God that there's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing impossible. Ask Sarah about that at age 90. And Abraham at 99, do you think anything's impossible? Well, Sarah got, I mean, she got tickled about it. She said, oh, my, my goodness, am I going to have pleasure with Abraham when I'm old? And God said, well, the point is I'm going to give you a son. And, of course, they had to do their part. Now, there again, uh, God will do his part. We've got to do ours. So the scripture says, moreover, the Lord your God will send hornets among them. Now, who would have thought of that? I mean, God says nobody wants to live around a hornet's nest. And so they'll move. They'll get out of the way. And some of them you won't even have to drive out because I'm going to drive them out with hornets. They'll get tired of getting stung and they'll just move on. Now, this is what it says. I'm not making this up. And then verse 22, he says, I love this. 
And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little, and you will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beast of the field become too numerous of you. And so in other words, God said, I'm going to give you this incrementally. Now, no American likes this passage. We're the most impatient people on the planet, I believe. Well, Israelis come close as far as impatience, but we want everything yesterday. I mean, we really do. We are in a more than a microwave generation. We want nothing slow cooking. We want everything yesterday, and we want it all today. God can't give us anything incrementally. We've got to have it. And if we don't have it, we're going to complain about it, fuss about it, be down, be dour, be dank. We're going to be in every way in a bad mood, in a kickative mood. And God doesn't like that. And so he said, look, the reason I'm giving you things incrementally is you can't handle it all at once. That's a good word for us. While we walk on the way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.